past life regression. The very idea has long held a sense of taboo in the mainstream of psychotherapy. What was once relegated to the woo-woo and nonsensical of mental health is now gaining momentum and credibility among the masses. It was my pleasure to welcome researcher and author of Past Lives Unveiled, Barry Eaton, to Higher Journeys. Barry is one such individual who feels that our embracing regression as a viable form of personal therapy is a key component in solving the myriad challenges that plague millions of us on this planet. Catherine Hand, a regression therapist who is highlighted in Barry's latest book, also joined our conversation to add her perspective on the why and how of past life regression as a breakthrough therapy for this new age. Both share their own journey into this burgeoning field and why many of us should consider regression therapy as a part of our overall wellness plan. Take a listen. Well, what a treat it is for me to bring on to Higher Journeys for the first time, veteran broadcaster, author, and explorer of the mystical realms, Mr. Barry Eaton, out of Sydney, Australia. And it's going to be it's going to be warm there. Actually, it's already warm there. I was just told it's about oh, 80 degrees Fahrenheit. We're a little jealous here in the U.S., but nonetheless, straight from Sydney, Australia, Mr. Barry Eaton. Now, let me tell you, Barry is one of those people whose warmth and love of all things spiritual and metaphysical is apparent at the outset. His deep curiosity and passion have been a consistent part of his journey. Uh, And though I call him the veteran in several professional disciplines, including his research and experience into the atypical dimensions of reality, I will say that his willingness to be open and not settled on any one approach to the investigation of these realms remains consistent. He's humble, in other words. Barry is the author of several books, his latest being Past Lives Unveiled, Discover How Consciousness Moves Between Lives. This is a wonderful read, by the way, for those who want to dig ever deeper into both the significance and influence of our past lives and what they may have uh, on our current life. Barry, first off, welcome to Higher Journeys, man. So glad to have you join us today for the first time. (laughs) <laughs> great, great to be here. And and I'm feeling very humble this morning, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Humility is key to to wisdom, I believe. So and you, you uh, have that, so so happy to have you. Now listen, I want to dig right into this lovely book of yours by first asking you about your thoughts when it comes to exploring past lives as a form of therapy. A form of therapy to understand shortfalls or challenges in this current life. I mean, we know that hypnotherapy and other forms of past life regression are gaining in popularity. But what are your overall thoughts about this trend? And do you find it to be a valid form of therapy, past life regression? Oh, very much so. And I do past life regression for clients as well. And when you see the breakthroughs that people have, and having been regressed myself on several occasions, it's not just some kind of Hollywood time tunnel experience, Alexis. You don't just go there to think, oh, what was I in a previous life? Oh, that'll be fun. No, no, don't do that to fill in a wet Sunday afternoon. You do it to find out who you are, what is going on in your life, and what answers you can get from the past. Because we are all a product of everything that's happened to us in the past, right up until this present moment. So anything that's happened in our life, especially major transformational things, uh, impediments in life or whatever, can quite often be traced back to karmic uh, influences that we've brought back with us to resolve in this lifetime and areas around health, relationships, jobs, direction in life, you name it. A lot of those, not everything, but a lot of them are influenced 
because of past life things that we have come back to resolve in this lifetime. We don't come back here just to sort of wander around the planet and have a bit of fun. Hmm. There is a purpose to life. It's soul growth, as we've talked about privately before this. And uh, we're here to make sure that we don't have to keep on coming back, get off the treadmill, as it were. Mm. And we can do that by looking at the past, working out who we are, what we can do this time, and what clearances we can make, and how we can change our life for the better. Fascinating. This has been said before, you know, and the next question I want to get into has to do with why it is we seem to be habitually memory wiped about previous incarnations. You know, some camps feel that this is a flaw in our DNA, or we are programmed maybe to forget when we should have some recollection of the details of our former existence, where others feel that we're meant to come back here as if with a clean slate and concern ourselves only with this life, the present. Now, though it's been meticulously documented, notably by the late psychiatrist Ian Stevenson about childhood past life memories, you say in your chapter simply titled, Why Can't We Remember Our Past Lives? I want to quote you. You say, quote, while children can cope with these flashes from previous existences, as they grow up, it would interfere, interfere with their development in this life if these memories persisted. As adults, we have so much new information going into our daily lives that to add innumerable past life memories to the conscious mix would be more than the vast majority of us could manage. So all of that, I have to be honest, I was kind of surprised to hear you say that, but I'd love to have you elaborate on what you're saying there. In other words, you know, maybe there's a purpose for not remembering all of these details, even though they're important and they need to come through at some level. What... What do you think in terms of the information overload? Well, all our lives and all the experiences are there because they're buried in the subconscious. Ah. And can you imagine if it was in your conscious mind that um, you and I had met somewhere before in a previous life, you and I met sometime this life, we're there at a first time, at a dinner party or whatever, and all of a sudden I look at you and I think, I know you from a previous life. You did this horrible thing to me, or I did this horrible thing to you. You know, Can you imagine how that would influence the very moment of us meeting, and it could influence a positive or or whatever relationship that we might be about to have, whether it's business or personal or whatever. So there is no way that we can remember everything, and we would not want to remember everything in our conscious mind, but it's buried in the subconscious, and that's where regression comes in because we can go back there, and then when we're directed properly through a a professional and well-experienced past life regressionist, we can go back into whatever we need to in this Mm. lifetime. What's the point of going back to a a lifetime where something happened that might be terrible, that all it's going to do is influence you even more into a negative frame of mind in this particular lifetime? But as a kid, we come back with a clean slate. So what you said before is true. We do come back with a clean slate because each lifetime is there. And with all the subconscious memories, and the subconscious drives us, I mean, the conscious mind is only something like 5 to 10% of our uh, complete mind structure. The conscious mind and known memory, 5 to 10%. Then we go down into the other 90 to 95%, the subconscious mind. We go into uh, forgotten memories, hidden memories, past lives, immortal memories, and so on. So if all those were there, Every time we um, woke up in the morning, can you imagine how confused we'd be? So we are protected 
from the other side. We're protected in this lifetime, mm -hmm. but then when we choose to and when we're ready to start investigating, it's there. But we've got to do it in a proper way, Alexis. Interesting. It's not just, as I said, it's not just some kind of Hollywood time tunnel experience. You do it for a reason. Sure. You must set a positive intent. I'm doing a workshop on on Saturday here uh, to the Dowsers Society, would you believe? And uh, it's going to be interesting because I'm going to be regressing uh, at least 50 of them in a room. Uh, so it's going to be very fascinating. Really? Yeah, I've, I've done it before on, on big groups, but I uh, haven't done it for a while. So it's going to be very interesting. But setting that intention to go back to a past life uh, is, is most important. And that's before we even get onto something like quantum, where uh, mm. the quantum theory says that we uh, are living all of these lives simultaneously. There's no such thing as past lives. There's no linear time that we are living all of these lives at some quantum level right now. Get your head around that one. I, well, I'll tell you, I, I have actually thought about that on occasion and talked about it. And I'm thinking of someone who we recently lost. I don't know if you well, of course, you probably recall, recall Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who yeah. I was very close with. And I recall a conversation on air that I had with her about this very thing that if time is simultaneous, it could very well be that what we call reincarnation may be a misnomer, that all of these things are kind of coexisting. And I sort of uh, not coined the term or I use the term co-incarnation, meaning that at some level, we are simultaneously living these lives. So that's a whole nother mind mind twist. <laughs> That'll stand yeah, in for sure. That our minds are not set up for this yes. uh, on this third dimensional level. So when this information comes across, unless you're very, very uh, intelligent and getting down to this whole quantum area, it, it just makes your head spin. Of course. And so I can accept it, but I can't understand it. Let's right. put it that way. Right. I, uh, I get what you're saying. That's true. I, I just wanted to put it out there. But I can imagine sure. that, imagine if we, you know, I was just talking to somebody uh, not that long ago on air about information that is brought in Information that we're getting at some level that's invariably going to the subconscious versus information that's processed consciously, the information it's said that we get overall per second is in the area of, oh gosh, I want to say 10 to 30 million bits per second that we are receiving. And yet we are only processing consciously about 50, 50 bits. Percentage. Some people I know only quant uh, and process about one or two. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Seriously, but uh, but when you think about that, and you think about how how sophisticated uh, we are at some level, maybe somehow it just knows how to regulate the the amount of information that we get, so that we can process what we need to and leave the rest sure. uh, and bring it forth. So very very well said. Thank you for that. So the next thing I want to talk about, speaking of, we, we brought up uh, the work of Dr. Ian Stevenson. I want to talk to you about a case that he studied that you mentioned in your book, which this is fascinating to me, has to do with an American woman who, while under hypnosis, suddenly began to speak Swedish. And I've heard of this yeah. before. This is a yeah. case, this is a, something that's known as, let's see if I can pronounce this right, xenoglasia, uh, yeah. uh, xenoglasia. Where individuals yep. are able to fluently speak a language in which they are completely unfamiliar. And this is what yep. happened with this one woman, American woman, who started speaking Swedish under hypnosis. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, xenoglasia, as it's also known, is is just one of those 
inexplicable, unexplainable situations that under hypnosis um, we can go back and, like this woman spoke, complete Swedish. Other people have been able to come up with other languages. They've never visited the country. They've never had any training. They've never had any exposure to that language. Where does it come from? It comes from the subconscious. Obviously, uh, uh, the rational explanation would be that the woman has had some kind of experience there, a past life or um, whatever, but predom um, prominently a, uh, a past life. So when they go down into that life, they go back into a process which we call revivification. And there are many ways of doing a regression where you can stand in the wings and just have a little look at this previous life and you're quite safe. It's like standing in the wings of a, of a theater or a film studio watching the action. But there's another process, revivification, where you're going into and experiencing and living that lifetime. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of those in my book, Past Lives Unveiled, which I've gone into uh, in, in quite um, in big detail. But obviously, you were able to uh, speak previous languages if that particular lifetime you're exploring really demands it, whether it's uh, demanding it for the proof or just whatever. I can't say too much more about that because Professor Stevenson did that case and you'd have to go into the, uh, the big case study on that one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it happens. It's happened on many, many occasions. Sure. I've heard of it. I have heard of it. I'll tell you the truth. There have been a couple of occasions. This is a strange thing for me, as I recall it even, where I have felt the urge I didn't come through speaking another language, but felt the urge to speak another language as if it was in there somewhere. Didn't oh, come wow. out. I did. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah won't, we won't go into that right now. But just thinking about that, I think, again, it's all in there, right? You know, sure. the, we've been talking about the subconscious lately on the show. And so much, you know, Michael Talb uh, Talbot, who wrote The Whole Graphic Universe, said, we are like iceberg beings. Most of us is beneath the surface. But what's That's beneath right. the surface is a cornucopia of knowledge, of memory, of all, perhaps, the Akashic Records itself. So certainly, why, why wouldn't uh, foreign languages or foreign tongues to us not be a part of that? So... That's, yeah, that's, that's I'm sitting here looking at a diagram exactly, which I came up with with my good friend Peter Smith, uh, who was the, wrote the introduction to all my regressions in the book. And uh, Pete came up with this wonderful iceberg with the conscious mind showing uh, just above the surface and everything going down, as I mentioned before, the forgotten memories, the hidden memories, past lives, the immortal memory, and also the collective memory of humankind. Mm. It's in there. And there's no linear time. Uh, we get down into the superconscious mind at this stage. It really is, it's a storehouse, and it's inside every single one of us. Absolutely. Such a holographic idea, isn't it? Great. It's all yeah. there. William Blake said the universe is literally within a grain of sand. So yeah. we're that grain, <laughs> and the universe is there. Love it. Okay. Okay, let's talk about, by the way, folks, I'm, I'm kind of rushing through a little bit because we have another guest that's going to join our conversation. I'll tell you about in a few minutes. So forgive if uh, we're, we're kind of racing through, but I want I to touch on a few things. One of the things, or people I should say, that I would love to touch on, and I know a lot in the audience are familiar with the work of the late Dr. Michael Newton, famous for yeah. his work with In Between Life States. Now, you bring him up in the book quite quite a bit. You highlight uh, the work uh, uh, of 
of uh, Dr. Newton, as well as your friend and colleague, Peter Smith, who's the president of the Newton Institute for Life Between Lives Hypnotherapy. Now tell me, uh, Barry, how did both Newton and Smith's work influence your own understanding of this past life phenomenon overall? Well, a lot, not only past lives, because past life uh, book here, Past Lives Unveiled, is the third part of a trilogy I've written on the afterlife. Now, when my partner Judy passed in 1997, I was pretty distraught. We'd only been together four years. And Michael Newton's initial book fell off the shelves at me. And it was all about the afterlife, okay? And that just created a tremendous opening in my life. And I was able to move on from there. So doing my own radio program, Radio Out There, I wanted to try and get hold of Michael Newton a few years ago because I knew he was in his 80s. And, and so I, I sent a, a message over there, please, could I do an interview? You know what it's like. And um, I got this message back. I'm sorry, Michael does not do interviews anymore. He's retired. But Peter Smith is the president of the Newton Institute, mm. and he will be contacting you. And he did. And, it's, uh, and it works out that Peter is living in Melbourne in Australia. Oh. Well, he wasn't. He's just moved out of Melbourne, actually. He's now moved sort of halfway up uh, the coast, about three or 400 miles north of here. But anyway, my, uh, Pete contacted me, and we hit it off initially and amazingly beautiful. So Pete came on, did the interview with me, and we just established an incredible friendship, and we've been working together ever since. So when I wanted to get some information, about past lives. Obviously, I'm doing my research. I contacted Pete, and uh, he volunteered then to do some regression work with me, volunteered to give me a couple of his case studies, because he is also a famous regressionist and past life and in-between life expert. Mm -hmm. So he gave me some of his case studies that were uh, that had never, ever been released. And then he also put me in touch with the Institute because they had found this particular case study that Michael Newton, uh, who passed, by the way, in 2016, mm -hmm. That's passed right. over. And I was given the honor of doing the radio tribute program for him, which oh. was quite amazing. Anyway, they found one of these case studies in his files not long before he passed. And it was about these two women that he'd regressed uh, back to the Stone Age tribes about 35,000 years ago. And he came in and said, oh, yeah, I was there. I didn't think anybody would be interested in this. They said, interested in it. So anyway, this was sitting there. Then Michael passed, and it had only ever been released in the whole uh, of the institution newsletters. So it's only going to the members of the institute worldwide. And I was then given the wonderful honor of being able to put this into book form. Nobody else has done it. And it takes us back to these two sisters who were aggressed independently of each other. Neither of them knew that the other one was going to be regressed. Hmm. And Mike was a man of high principle, so there was no way that, was, that this was anything less than 100% above board. And he took these two sisters back to the Stone Age tribe. They both came up with the same names. They were sister and brother in this particular lifetime. The description of what happened in those Stone Age tribes is just absolutely amazing. And I was able to print this whole story as part of my book. And to have this, to be able to go back that far, it just shows the, the, the human lineage that we have, the lineage of our souls absolutely. that can go back who knows how far. Right. And with these two women, both living in the States and living several hundred miles away from each other, 
to be able to come up with this information and then afterwards compare notes through Michael Newton, it was absolutely amazing. So I would suggest anybody, if they're reading my book, to have a good look at that one. That's a great story. Absolutely. That is fascinating. Again, I'm getting this image, uh, Barry, of the iceberg beneath the surface. All of yeah. that is there. Yeah. Because yeah. what's happening when one is being regressed? I mean, where is this information coming from? Obviously, the individual that's being regressed and the information that comes forth has to be somewhere within the blueprint of the individual themselves. But if you're coming back to resolve and work on these things, it has to be there at some level. Sure. It's like putting into practice what you've learned at university or college, and you've got that information there. You don't use it all the time, but it's there. It's in part of your training. So part of the training for this lifetime is all these other lives. So mm -hmm. you're going to be able to draw on that storehouse of memories and energy to be able to do whatever you need in this lifetime. And your subconscious knows your purpose, knows what you've come ah. back here to do and work with. And that's the most important thing. But people are too busy in this day and age staring at the telephones and, and running around carrying on um, without getting into what life is all about. But more and more people are starting to do this. I was just going to say that. Yes, I yeah. absolutely what agree. Am I? What am I here for? Yeah. And that's the most important thing. I think we're coming full circle in that regard for sure. And that's going to lead yeah. us to talk about uh, the the conference that's coming up. We're not quite there yet. But I, I do agree with you. You know, we've gone. I think we've come full circle. Yes, the phones are still in our faces, and not everyone still. There, there, there are many that aren't participating, but too many that are. Um, but I think even those individuals are saying, wait a minute, what is this all about? The, I've got the problems are just too, uh, too big for me to ignore anymore. And they're now maybe looking at these, quote, alternative approaches to understanding themselves and Wow. Yeah. What? The trouble is, though, Alexis, is sex, drugs, and rock and roll in its many, many forms has <laughs> taken over civilization. We've got too busy out there doing all of these things instead of looking inward. And that's right. where we need to go, looking inward. Yes. Well, I think that's happening. This book certainly helps in that process. So we're, we're grateful for that. Listen, let's touch on the idea of karma, karma yeah. and karmic cycles as they relate to carrying over some form of issue or repeating pattern from one lifetime to the next, particularly with what we're learning now, Barry, including what you cover in your book, what might we do to address karmic influences in an effort to break the cycle in this life? How can we confront karma? Well, you've got to, to confront anything. You've got to be able to know your enemy or know your adversary, haven't you? No, I call him an enemy because it's part of you, but you, you must know your adversary to be able to understand that. To be able to do that, you need to go inside. Now, part of it can be regression. I mean, yesterday I did a, a wonderful uh, consultation for a lady who's in Pennsylvania, would you believe, hmm. all the way across from Australia to Pennsylvania. She wanted to understand herself. When we did this, and I was able to go in through my normal consultations of astrology and psychic work and mediumship and everything like that, it exposed to her what it is that she was working on, explained to her what she'd brought back and why the various things that had happened from childhood, from the moment she was born, uh, what happened and why it happened. But she had to go in at, uh, at the middle stages of her life to, to find out and look for and need to know the answers that were there inside her, but not in her conscious mind. 
Right. And that, that applies to everybody. We've all got these things, whether it's we're being held back through our work, through relationships that don't work, through money problems, through many, many different things. And they will they'll go back to childhood, most of them. And you can leave, you can look and see exactly what it is because a child knows the circumstances into which you're born will give you the clue. And hmm. you're influenced by your parents, your, your training, everything like that. So nothing is uh, a coincidence. It's all right. there. We've to it in our life contract so that's the way you've got to do it yourself self-responsibility alexis self-responsibility i want i want to bring you back before i lose this thought i want you to repeat that you're saying that circumstances when we're born the circumstances for which we are born is a clue to you know getting the key to unlocking what purpose is and perhaps unraveling the karma is that what you're saying i want to make sure i understand that yeah, very much so. And it, it, there's a lot of explanation. Not every single case in the world. I mean, we've got nearly 8 billion people on the planet and everybody's unique. But there are clues there. But the, the birth situation and everything like that does bring back a lot of information about who we are because that's our new entry into this world. And at that particular stage, we can work out the family we were coming back into, our situation, our physical situation, our mental, our emotional situations, huh. and that which we grow up in, it all influences uh, why we're here. And then we can look at our purpose in life. Once we understand all about ourselves, our strengths, our, our challenges, and our purpose, then we can start to move on and, and resolve other well, aspects sure. of our life, right. which it's all a karmic kind of influence. If you want to put... Um, cover over the whole lot of it yeah call it karma i'm thinking of so many circumstances the circumstances by which someone is born someone is born into poverty someone is born into extreme wealth and uh, you know uh a family of criminals i'm thinking of everything someone that's born with a debilitation physical mental whatever all of these things and you're what you're saying is really sticking with me this could be a clue yep. to unraveling this whole thing hmm. during well, the clues you, up there let's put it that way that's say, where the clues start for so many people okay i'm going to say to the journeyers out there think about that meditate on that and give me your thoughts on what you think everyone out there what, what are your thoughts on that that's a that's a big one i'm going to hold on to that thought okay we're going to move on though we'll park that for a minute but i love that Listen, I want to talk about off-world excursions. You devote a chapter toward the end of the book on your own off-world excursions. And you went into your own form of regression conducted by Peter Smith. And I have to say, what you conveyed made for quite the journey for me. Now, you feel yourself during this regression, or perhaps it was several, to have brought through an entity named Lida, L-I-D-A, Lida, now, this yeah. was definitely one of my favorite chapters in the book. I want you, if you could, Barry, in closing on this portion of our interview, to give us a thumbnail of that journey for you. Who was Lita? How did this entity come through? And what happened? What happened here? Well, Peter, who was the most wonderful past life regressionist, because he just doesn't take you somewhere. He then explores with your soul what you're there for and the reasons you're going there. And he's taught me so much in my own regression work. Um, so he... He's provided me with a couple of other case studies about off-world information. And most of the people that he's 
uh, regressed have had, a high percentage of them, have had lives on other worlds. Mm -hmm. So we're not just coming backwards and forwards to this planet. And I was fascinated with this. And we didn't set out to do this. It just happened in one of the regressions we did. And I went off-world um, to be able to... Uh, and we actually did this over uh, Zoom. We didn't do it off, off Skype or whatever, or we didn't do it face-to-face. -face. We did it on Zoom. He never, ever does this. So he, he relented in this instance. So we, here we are on, on working on screen because we're 500 miles apart. And he took me down, which he does so brilliantly, into this whole area. And I just sort of disappeared. And I, I connected to start off with a, with the image of a, of a very large bird. And um, it had sort of piercing, dark brown eyes and a, and a big hood, hooked beak. Um, nothing like any bird that I'd seen on this planet ever before. Mm -hmm. So then I became sort of part of this and realized it was a kind of craft. And this bird was zooming over this deserted planet. And I then became part of the, uh, the life form inside this bird, this craft. And we, we soared over this particular planet. And it was like, have you ever been to Egypt? Yes, I have, a couple of times. Well, you know when you're flying over the Nile, where you see the, the, the strip of the Nile, and then there's a verdant uh, section that goes back a couple of miles on either side, and then, shoom, like a great big knife has cut it straight into the desert. I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. Okay, well, it was like that. The desert, the, the desolation was there until all of a sudden, bang, there was a verdant bit, and then this city came up. We went into the city, which was totally deserted. And it turns out that, cutting a long story short here, um, Leda uh, was a journeyer as, as part of a, a group of explorers who were out there trying to find out answers for their world, which was fast becoming overtaken by technology and losing the love that we vitally need in our lives. Any world cannot survive purely on technology and science. We have to have the basis of the universe is love. And this is what Lita was coming back and talking about. So, as I said, cutting a long story short, um, there was no love in this place. It had died. And then Peter connected the two of us, me in regression and Lita. And we found out that there was this huge connection. And then we went into this exchange of information. And Lita was then able to come in and be part of my body for a while. We realized this huh. was another aspect of myself. Sure. But yeah. because of the vibration was so much higher where Lida was, or so dense here on Earth, because everything works on vibration, uh, Lida found it very, very difficult to maintain any kind of direct communication with me. But we came in there and, uh, and found out um, exactly what we were supposed to be doing here. And um, he offered some a message here to prevent the cataclysm that he was researching on the world he was visiting. And he said, understand, learn, and accept the differences. There are many, many peoples in your world. They don't integrate. They're all separate. Until the separation can be changed, there'll always be problems. Everybody wants to be right. Nobody wants to accept other people's beliefs, opinions, research. And this goes on. And it's true. Look at our divided world. If you don't believe what I believe, if you disagree with me, you're wrong. Right. How terrible. And this is being I'm foisted upon us. There's no question about yeah. it, Barry. Yeah. yeah. That okay. is fascinating. Not to cut you off, uh, but I just have to interject. This is absolutely fascinating because when I read the account of Lita explaining 
I'm going to say his because I got a male sense uh, from this yep. energy. Obviously, Atlantis came to mind. This planet, of course, came to mind and, and the path that it appears that we're barreling down. And the other thing that came to mind, Barry, was this. I don't know that you brought any timeline up, but I got the sense that this could have been coming from the future. Could be. I don't Could know why. I, I didn't get a sense of time on this one at all. Yeah. And uh, as we talked about before, there's no such thing as linear time. It's a three right. dimensional reality. Absolutely. Who knows? Another yeah. dimension, another time, the future, whatever. But the, that was an aspect of me that was coming through. And I believe, and I'm not saying that I'm some great prophet or anything. I, I'm just sort of writing down what the message I've been given. But the, the message is that we cannot just escape into and absorb our lives with technology. Mm -hmm. We must retain that humanitarian no aspect. No question. No question. And love is important. Love is vital. Love is an energy. Love is a frequency. You love know, is the universe. Love is all. There we go. Yeah. What a perfect place to take a pause here. Thank you, Barry. Thank you so much. Well, listen. Thank you for putting so much into this uh, this short period of time, by the way. I appreciate that. But we're going to take a quick pause right now. And when we come back, we'll have our mutual friend and colleague, someone who was also mentioned in your book for her work in past life regression, and that's Catherine Hand. Catherine also happens to be the co-producer and co-founder of the annual Cosmic Consciousness Conference in Uluru, Australia, in which you and I will once again come together on the stage to discuss these and other intriguing subjects. Now, I know you're going to be going further into your research as part of your talk there uh, that's based on this wonderful book, Past Lives Unveiled. So we're looking, really looking forward to that. So everyone, let's take a short break. And when we return, Barry and I will be joined by Catherine Hand. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. So we're back, everyone, and I am so delighted to bring on who I can call a friend, a colleague, and someone who's also down under with Barry in Sydney, in the Sydney area, and that's Catherine Hand. Catherine, welcome to the party, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm feeling like this is old home week. Guys, just so you know, we were all together uh, not quite a year ago, coming up on a year ago in Uluru in Australia. And I just I feel like they're family. So we're, we're just in our living room having a chat with you all and uh, or having a chat amongst each other. We're letting you all in <laughs> on the conversation. And, you know, I love doing these shows where we we get to bring a few of us together to have these extraordinary conversations. So uh, once again, Catherine and Barry together. Barry, let me just have you say a word. Make sure you're still with us. You're still there, oh, right? Still there. Hi, Catherine. Right. How are you? Hello, Barry. <laughs> I mean, this is a, a short conversation. These are the, the those kind of conversations that you can have until the wee hours of the morning, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not quite the wee hours of the morning here. And it's, well, let's see. We got about 16 hours between us, I think, so. Uh, we've got quite the spectrum of time going on. But, you know, time doesn't really exist, actually. So we're all Perfect. really <laughs> just kind of here right now. So let's <laughs> carry on. Listen, Catherine, as you know, Barry and I have been chatting it up about uh, his latest work into past lives and all of the variations and entry points it seems to offer to each of us. Now, I have to tell you, I was not familiar with your work in this area of past life regression. Uh, but since I've gotten to know you, 
beginning last year when I was with you in Uluru for the amazing Cosmic Consciousness event, I've come to know what I would say is a gentle personality and a passionate approach to these subjects. So I have to say, I'm not at all surprised that you're working in this field and doing it quite successfully, I might add. In fact, Barry highlights one of your regression sessions conducted on a woman called Jerry, or Geraldine is her full name, that you worked with uh, to help her with an extreme case of claustrophobia. This was mentioned in Barry's book that we just chatted about. Tell us about how you helped her uncover uh, what she needed to uncover based on a previous incarnation and claustrophobia. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a great honor to discover that my case study and, and my work that I had done with Geraldine was, was uh, uh, in Barry's book. So, yeah, thank you very much for that, Barry. But Geraldine had um, not been able to drive through tunnels. She hadn't been able to get into a lift. Um, anything um, to do with a confined space she had been avoiding for a really long time and her son was going to be married in Spain and so the thought of her getting into a plane and, and being in a cabin for 21 hours on a, on a plane trip to Spain was just something that was bringing up a lot of anxiety and she'd not been flying for a really long time. So um, we, you know, she came along, she wasn't really sure if there was a past life connection, so she was very open-minded and, and was willing to explore it. Um, and we, we actually commenced the session um, in her mother's womb. So it was not long before she was about to be born. And we uncovered that she was feeling very helpless. There were um, a lot of feelings of anxiety and frustration. And then as we explored those emotions, it became evident that it wasn't actually her anxiety, it was her mother's anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's very common that a baby in the womb is aware of her mother's feelings. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in a therapeutic setting, I can help the baby differentiate between her own feelings and those of her mother's. And then usually we can release those negative emotions because the client realizes that it wasn't theirs to hold on to and that it's actually more beneficial to release. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Catherine, you know what I'm going to do real quick? I, if I can't, I'm going to, I know I told you to come close to the microphone, but I'm getting a little bit of feedback. So I'm going to have you back off just a tad. Okay. Just a tad. Sorry. We're hearing it on this and sorry guys out there. Because <laughs> so, I want to make sure you're coming through nice and clear. Go ahead. Continue. And I apologize. You are okay. We had to take a, a quick break, guys, uh, because of unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> so I'm going to have Catherine continue on with her story about Gerald Geraldine. Is it Geraldine? Mm. Yes, Geraldine. Tell us. Okay, so continue, Catherine. Alexis, in Geraldine's case, her mother had had two failed pregnancies: one stillborn and one miscarriage. So Geraldine was now the third pregnancy and she, her mother desperately wanted to give birth to a, a healthy baby, of course. So Geraldine had actually been taking on all her mother's fear and anxiety that something would go wrong a third time, as you can imagine, for, for any mum. So Geraldine's attempts to reach her mother had been unsuccessful and she felt that she just couldn't get through to her. So what we worked out in the session was that it left her feeling very trapped, unseen and unheard. And and that was the sense of a lot of her anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
And so as a baby in the womb, you've, you've got a foot in both worlds. You're still very deeply connected to your own soul's wisdom um, and you can tap into your higher self. Yet you're already establishing all the constraints and the limitations of the human condition. And so a child, you know, up until about where um, six, we are in what they call a hypnagogic state, which means that they, um, you know, our foot, our, our conscious mind isn't fully formed and we absorb everything very easily. It goes straight in. And of course, we absorb in the womb, we primarily absorb the emotions and um, a lot of the beliefs from our mother. So you can see why Geraldine was absorbing all this fear and anxiety and it was it was leading to her feel very um, frustrated and, and unseen and very trapped because she couldn't help. So what we did was we helped Geraldine to release the anxiety and then um, realise that her mum had soul contracts with those souls and it wasn't Geraldine's journey to intervene. Hmm. And that then allowed her, you know, to, to release it and let go of it. Um, but, of course, we didn't know whether we got to the, the source of the, the anxiety and the claustrophobia. So we had to keep going and, and, and work our way backwards and explore a little bit further. And that then took her into a past life that had been, you know, I think about 700 years earlier. Um, so it was very interesting. And this is what Barry then um, talked about in his book where right. Geraldine gave her perspective of what she'd experienced in this lifetime where she was um, a, a young woman called Cecilia in medieval England. Fascinating. What's really sticking with me, Catherine, is how much our mothers, while we are in utero, may be affecting the things that we will invariably be in a quandary about in this life. You know, I, I've heard this before that the measure, the, the, the level by which we as babies in our mommy's tummy can understand that we're hearing, we're picking up emotions, we're getting those feelings. And still, I think that there are many mothers that are unaware of how much they may be affecting, not just the mothers, but the, you know, the family environment, the environment in general may be affecting this child and, and what they would bring into this life coupled with, you know, perhaps lives or lifetimes hundreds of years ago. So you, you're bringing in several dimensions to, to, to Jerry's case, Geraldine's case, that uh, uh, I give you kudos for being able to dig in and, and resurrect those those aspects to help her get over this. So thank well, you for that. What, yeah, this is what the work is all about. It's it's being able to discover the patterns and it's the, it's the mm. patterns that we have reoccurring in our lifetime that we need to work through because when we get to the, the original source of what created that pattern, mm -hmm. then we can see no problem. And so often so things often will keep coming up in our life and they'll, they'll reoccur in the womb, they'll reoccur throughout our lifetime, hmm. and they're linked back to a pattern that could have been occurring across multiple lifetimes. Sure. So this is certainly the, the case with Geraldine and with most of my clients, with most of us. So the, the lifetime that we went back where she discovered that she was in um, medieval England and her name was Cecilia, um, you know, we all know that the Dark Ages were were, were named the Dark Ages. For a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 
so she she was quite a, in a quite a privileged family where they lived in a within a compound and there were castle walls and she had grown up knowing that the that it wasn't safe beyond the castle walls so she had this message reinforced over and over and over again that she had to stay safe by being within the walls of this compound and mm-hmm. there was a part of her that you know really longed to just explore the fields and and roam free and and discover the unknown world but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with all the pressure that weighed down on her in that society and in that family um she wasn't able to and she had a lot of pressure from the family to to help raise siblings and um, right and there was an expectation that she had to get married um not for love but for for politics and and that kind of thing and so eventually she just decided to run away and escape and ironically she um found her freedom when she ended up in a monastery not a place where we might typically expect that you'd feel <laughs> free but for Cecilia as a young woman breaking free of the family um it gave her a freedom that had always been denied to her mm-hmm. um so she she just thrived in this environment she just started um spending all her days out in the open fields and working with herbs and and developing um healing remedies by using those plants and the plant medicine mm-hmm. um, and and of course at that time as we know all the witch hunts and um and everything that were occurring she ended up being um killed for that and um she actually had the the hood placed over her head and then the hangman's noose around her neck right so you can imagine now we're starting to dig a bit deeper and and starting to go okay this could well and truly be where her current day fear of being oh well Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. This is a, this sounds like a book that could be written as well on, on Geraldine's life, Catherine. So listen, I want to, I want to move on because we don't have too long and there are a couple of things I want to ask you still with regard to the, to the regression work that you're doing. And then I want to talk about cosmic consciousness. But now this is a, a question that I had also uh, posed to Barry at the top of our show. And now I want to ask you, how do you feel, Catherine, regression is a therapy for dealing with current life issues? We just saw an example. But uh, how has it changed or developed in recent years? I mean, are you seeing more of a trend of individuals using past life regression, even in lieu of more traditional psychotherapies? Oh, absolutely. I think that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was still considered to be something that was um, unusual People talked about it as if it was, um, you know, something a bit out there and woo-woo. And and I think these days people are understanding the incredible value of exploring the patterns that have have come with you from lifetime to lifetime. And and I think in in even in mainstream, you know, you look around and see the TV shows and and the interest in mainstream. Mm-hmm. And you can, about reincarnation and and it's not something that is um is laughed at or mocked anymore i think people are very open to it and and you know with people like um michael newton and um dolores cannon and 
you know, there's so many people out there writing and, and talking about it. And of course, you know, psychotherapy can take two years to complete. And you, and uh, so many psychotherapists are realizing that their their patients aren't necessarily they might become very self-aware, but they're not necessarily healing and energetically releasing the, the blocks. So with an energetic therapy like um, hypnosis, and particularly when you're, you're looking at very deeply held patterns that have occurred across many, many lifetimes, you can release them. It, to be able to do that within this lifetime is one of the biggest gifts that your soul can give you. Mm-hmm. You've had to wait until the end of our life you know often to be able to look back on our lifetime and see how we went now you can come and do something as profound as a a past life healing and you're you're releasing those lifetimes of karma in Mm -hmm. in a three-hour session wow very very well said I think that's something to think about. And I, too, think that it is a, a trend sounds a little trendy. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's a trend as much as just a new paradigm in, in how people are looking at. I think, for one thing, guys, both of you, uh, people are at wit's end with the, the problems that seem to be running so deep. And I think people have a sense that whatever is out of sync with their own lives is going to require uh, going deep within and 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 trying some of these alternative therapies. So uh, I do think this is something that's not going away anytime soon. And that's a good thing. So now I have a question for either one of you. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Barry back into this. Here's my question: Who would you not recommend this sort of therapy to? I mean, is there anyone who should stay away from past life regression and hypnotherapy in this regard? Who would you not recommend it to? If anyone, Barry. Okay, well, I think for a start, anybody who's having uh, disturbing mental problems or anything like that, uh, it could very much complicate those mental issues. And we know that this is a huge problem in society today and and, an increasing problem. Um, So apart from that, I think that just about anybody can gain from this, providing they go into it with a very open and positive mindset and that's the most important thing, as we talked about before, going in with a state of intention of mm. knowing that you wish to clear your karma, wish to understand who you really are. But um, certainly any kind of uh, mental problems would be something that I would think about. What, what about you, Catherine? Yeah, I agree. Although there would be some therapists that, that actually really enjoy working with people with mental health issues and um, use half-life regression and other energetic therapies to help them release those um, those problems. So I guess it depends on the, um, the comfort level of the therapist and if that's their experience and that's their speciality. Um, I agree, you know, it, it can be, the most important thing is the intention of the, of the, um, the client because at the end of the day, we as a therapist, we're just a facilitator. Mm-hmm. We don't do the client in the chair is the one doing the healing and with work this deep and profound their soul is actually running running the, the show we're just um along for the ride and we're being guided by the the higher wisdom of that soul in the chair interesting uh, that i love that, that chair. Yeah. But i would say that i wouldn't work with somebody who's um very deeply affected by drugs because that can really alter their consciousness artificially hmm that's a good point. That's a very good point. And then we, we could all also consider 
the idea of, you know, when you're in a state of uh, an altered state of consciousness, if you're under the influence of some sort of a drug, um, whether at that time or just have, have an issue with it, could it be that other entities could come through and, yep. you know, uh, uh, really just mutate the, the entire session, change it, you know, give wrong information. Totally. So, yeah, very good. Yeah. That good point. Okay. Thank you, both of you. All right. Well, listen, in our remaining minutes, that went by really quick having Catherine on. We're going to have you back, Catherine, and talk more about this. You've got some great stuff to say in this regard. I want to, though, I want to give um, some time to this great event coming up in just about 10 weeks. I cannot believe 10 weeks, less than three months. That's the Cosmic Consciousness Conference in Uluru in Australia and the Outback. Now, this is your baby, Catherine Hand, this is your passion, along with your event partner and co-producer Mick Turner, I might add. I try to get him on the show, but he, I guess he makes a little <laughs> a little shy. <laughs> so Catherine's uh, pinch hitting here, not just pinch hitting, but coming in for speaking for, for both of both of you in this regard. Now, each year you've done these sorts of events, and I know all of them have been extraordinarily special, but this year you say will be like none other. Catherine, tell us what's happening this year. What's going to make this event in 2020 even more significant than the previous events? Why is this year so special? It is very, very special. This year um, in January, on the 12th of January, in most areas of the world, although technically in the very early hours of the morning on the 13th of January out at Uluru, where we will all be, it is um, the primary focus for a very rare Saturn-Pluto conjunct. And this conjunct will, um, will enable a, a very old ancient ritual to occur where heaven and earth are re reconnected. Um, so there's a lot of amazing information that we have to share about the conference. Obviously, we've been preparing for this for the last four years now. We've had our conference building the energy to the, towards this important activation um, ritual date um, for the last four years now. This will be our third conference out at Uluru. So it is a very exciting time. And as Barry will probably tell you, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. And to be at the heart of this um, this important date, Uluru is the focus of it, being in the solar plexus, has its own set of power and magic that accompanies it. But it's going to be a, an incredible opportunity to be sitting together, um, connected to all these light workers that are coming from all across the planet to be together and to really open up to the, the gateways of greater life and the higher dimensional energies that are going to be able to flow um, between our realms now and um, just flow into the daily experience of, of all beings on mm -hmm. the planet. This is fantastic. I am so excited that and honored that uh, that you and Mick both have invited me back to to join in this incredible celebration. So, I mean, what we're talking about uh, has been described as an archetypal conjunction. This begins in January 2020. And yes, Uluru is noted uh, as where this all is happening. And, you know, I'm learning a little bit more about this. I have to admit, I didn't know too much about the dynamics of what what has been uh, slated to happen in 2020 uh, until recently. But uh, I also learned that the Aboriginals from this area feel 
that this is really about the completion of a ritual that was somehow disrupted during what they call creation time, right? Many, many years ago. I mean, if this uh, ritual is in fact comprised, and particularly with uh, this amazing activation energy spilling out from Uluru and Katajuta, by the way, uh, its neighboring spot, both in Ayers Rock. What does this mean for humanity? Both of you, I'd like, love for both of you to comment on this. And I think you did touch on this, Catherine, but what what do you feel will be the result of what happens once this conjunction takes place? Will we see and feel these changes in a big way? Even the people that aren't there, people that aren't even aware of it. Definitely. I mean, the the... The, the physical effect that we'll see, many might perceive it as being quite negative. We'll see the collapse of all sorts of um, systems, a lot of uh, patriarchal systems that have been set up, commerce and economy, and we're seeing a lot of it already start to collapse now. And um, so that could be perceived by a lot of people as being a very negative thing because they'll feel the loss of a lot of systems and control um, a control mechanisms that have been in place for a long time. But for those of us who are awakened, we'll understand that this is actually a new way. It's going to spread love and peace um, and, and to give us the ability to connect in with higher energies and, and all, of, all that that entails, which will just be us connecting to our soul purpose. It will be, it will be a greater sense of peace and unity it will be a greater sense of, of um, living out our passion and our purpose in a really heartfelt, connected, soul-driven way. So for a lot of people, it's going to be the, the commencement or the, the beginning of a really beautiful time on this planet where those realms are not as um, separate. You know, the, mm. the, that ancient um, dream time connection the, the Aborigines believed that we had the ability to travel between the realms through that uh, uh, that cosmic umbilical cord, and as our consciousness declined, our level of consciousness, um, you know, declined, we lost that ability. And so, to be able to reconnect that heaven and earth and recreate a golden age, a heaven on earth, that will be what it's all about. You know, hmm. it, it even started back when the rainbow serpent was activated back in. Um, 84 and you know two years later Uluru was handed back to the traditional caretakers so it's already commenced you know we're going through a, a hundred year period from that that time that, that the rainbow serpent was was activated across the whole planet right, um, right. and so this is you know this is a really significant um, era that we're that we're moving into Mm-hmm. I would agree. I was just going to say, I think the effects, first of all, when you're looking at something this large, though many of us may want to see this sort of acute transition, the tendency is that there's this arc of, of shift, an arc that can take many years in the in the run up to, and, and of course, the, the perhaps the, the days, weeks, months and years the, that succeed this particular time. Uh, I'm feeling that these aspects that you're you're speaking of right now and i'm barry aren't you as well don't you feel we're in this now oh very much so i mean just looking at it from a pure astrological point of view uh, as catherine mentioned saturn and pluto are conjuncting but that happens every 33 to 37 years anyway the fact is that it happening in the sign of the, the constellation of capricorn now, the last time that happened was 500 years ago in 1517. So 
coming all the way around takes a long, long time. And 1517, guess what happened? The Reformation. And that was the downfall, the beginning of the downfall of the, the Catholic Church as the controlling power mm. in Europe. And shortly after that, Henry VIII established the Church of England. Now, if we look at the, the basics of Saturn, which represents authority, structure, um, many different large organizations, governments, economies, whatever, and then we look at Pluto, which is the transformational planet, the death of the old for the birth of the new, putting it in simple terms. So we're looking at the undermining. Pluto was the god of the underworld. And to be able to undermine all of these authority areas of patriarchal systems and to be able to, the ending, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen on the 12th. That is the, the, the flashpoint. It may, who knows what time? it will involve but as we know time's linear it doesn't matter it's the the impact and it's going to happen right through 2020 and this is the this is just a short version of it at yeah. the conference um i'm going to be going into a little bit more detail on just exactly what is happening on uh, january the 11th 2020 and it is quite significant and historically significant as well so it's not just something that's going to happen uh, in Uluru, although it will because Uluru is one of the chakras of the earth, power chakra. So it's going to have a huge impact. But all around the world, everybody is going to be impacted one way or another at this time, just the beginning. And it's it's going to, it's already happening. We've already, have a look at the chaos that's happening at the present time Absolutely. in the world. Mm -hmm. The riots in Hong Kong, the riots in Chile, Lebanon, the government just toppled a day or so ago. All this is significant of the structure of Saturn and the division in the world. Now, it's about time we started to come together, and this is the opportunity that we have. But, you know, humanity is very, very powerful as a collective consciousness, and we have to make sure that uh, those people who are in this area as far as their soul, their heart, their mind, their everything is concerned, that we are able to exert a most positive influence. Because there are going to be a lot of power structures that are not going to want to give in. It's not no, that it's going to happen overnight. That's it's right. not some kind of nice little Hollywood story with a happy ending um, at the end of 2020. It can be, and, and there probably will be in many instances, some pretty chaotic times. But it's going to be a fascinating journey. But as the old saying goes, Hang on to your seatbelts. We're in for a bumpy ride. There you go. Like I said, buckle up, buckle up, everyone. And I think a lot of people have their seatbelts on already because it's been rocky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen, Barry Eaton, Catherine Hand, what can I say? I am sad. This is what a treat. I feel like I'm down under right now. I feel like I'm, you know in my future. Whenever I talk to our our mutual friend, Mary Rodwell, she says, I'm in your future. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in my future. <laughs> and of course, oh, Mary's one of the presenters too. She sure is. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank, thanks for that segue, Barry. Perfect timing. Everyone, everyone, please, you've heard me talk about this before. This is not the first time I brought up cosmic consciousness. I talk about it all the time. Go to cosmic consciousness dot com dot au it's january 11th through the 13th 2020 you've just gotten a little bit of a download on what's going on and it's a big deal i mean it's a really really big deal those of you here in the united states in the uk perhaps you still have time i have a feeling there's some good deals out there for you to and who, who the heck would not want to leave dreary weather 
<laughs> I love the four seasons, but I winter I could leave at home and go to summer in Uluru. It's going to be hot there. I was there last year. We were all there last year. And guys, I'll never forget. It was about 45 degrees Celsius. Yep. <laughs> That's hot. But if you like it the is. heat, it, it's just, it's, it's fabulous. And the, the place where the, where the conference is commencing is just simply stunning. There's pools, there's restaurants. I can talk about this firsthand because it's fabulous. So go there. I'll say it again, cosmicconsciousness.com.au and join us there. We're going to have smiles on our faces and we're going to be laughing and talking and eating and making the world a better place in an important space called Uluru and Katajuta. Join us, will you? Let me say again, Mr. Barry, Ms. Catherine, thank you too. I appreciate you. Any final words from either one of you or both <laughs> before we conclude? Well, you, Catherine. Yes, thank you, Barry, and thank you, Alexis. And I can just echo that, um, you know, start off a new decade. Where else would you rather be? You know, Uluru is the the largest natural reservoir of spiritual life energies on the planet. So yeah. why, why wouldn't you want to be here on such an important date with so many beautiful, spiritually awakened people. It will just be the most amazing way to start off a new decade. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Fair Barry, enough. yes. Well, not only as presenter, but as MC of the conference, I know we have some fabulous speakers. We just mentioned a moment ago about Mary Rodwell. Mary is just one of a, a complete uh, list of people that are going to blow your socks off. They really are. And it's going to be one heck of a conference. So we'd love to see you down there. So please come and join us. And uh, what a way to start the year. What a way to start the year in a proactive way. We're all in this together. Let's succeed together. And we've got the planet on our side. She's waiting for us to participate. Once again, the two of you, I thank you so much. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your exquisite passion to the subjects that are, I think, the most important in the world. And I thank both of you for being you. You know, I love you both, don't you? I oh, do. thank you. We love you too, Alexis. Well, thank you. And we love you too, journeyers. I love my journeyers. Thank you so much once again for tuning in to Higher Journeys. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.